This is Nursing Australia Week, a week of entertainment, education and energy for all Australian nurses. Proudly presented by APNA, the Australian Primary Healthcare Nurses Association, Health Workforce Queensland, New South Wales RDN and Northern Territory PHN. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday evening episode of Nursing Australia Week. I'm Matt St. Ledger. It's Tuesday the 23rd of November. This morning we kicked off Terrific Tuesday with a bit of tea room banter with the lovely Georgie Carroll. And then at lunch we heard from COVID-19 Evidence-Based Guidelines Task Force on the changing COVID care guidelines. It's now time to wrap up the day and listen to a story of a nurse working in ICU during the pandemic. And then after that, I'll be announcing the winner of the Spill Your Guts competition. But first, let's kick off this afternoon with the latest in healthcare news with Mitch Wall. Once again, thank you for listening to Nursing Australia Week. Passionate debate in federal parliament, COVID during pregnancy linked to stillbirths and a stark warning in Germany. This is Nursing Australia News. Hello, I'm Mitch Wall. Today in federal parliament, a passionate debate on vaccine mandates provided some compelling viewing. Independent Tasmanian Senator Jackie Lambie stood to oppose a bill that would see all vaccine mandates that government have put in place scrapped. Senator Lambie made her point of view quite clear on the contents of the bill. It says some people should be allowed to make consequence-free decisions, that some people should be able to yell fire in a crowded room and get away with it scot-free. I don't think so. Not on my watch. Here's the thing, being held accountable for your own actions isn't called discrimination. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. Stillbirths are rare, but COVID-19 infections have pushed that rate a little higher. According to new American CDC data, mothers with COVID-19 infection had a 1 in 80 chance versus mothers without COVID having a 1 in 155 chance. The report underlines the importance of COVID-19 prevention strategies, including vaccination before or during pregnancy. There's a link in the show notes of this episode to the report. Germany's health minister has issued a stark warning to his population about the winter ahead. Most likely when the winter is over, everyone here in Germany, and this has occasionally been said with some cynicism, will be either vaccinated, recovered or dead. But that's the actual reality. This comes as new COVID infections tipped over 30,000 a day. In Germany, there's debate about compulsory vaccination as only 67% of their population is fully vaccinated. Are you a nurse working in primary healthcare and looking for the next step in your career? Or do you work in a hospital and curious about moving into a primary healthcare setting? Check out the APNA Nursing Jobs page, powered by Healthcare Link, where you can search jobs near you. Click the link in the show notes of this episode. So in today's Nurses Doing Amazing Things, we're going to jump into the world of ICU and hear an amazing story from a nurse, Julie, who shares with us how she tackled the learning curve that is, was the pandemic from within the walls of an ICU. Remember, this segment of Nurses Doing Amazing Things is sponsored by Health Professionals Bank. This is Julie's story. My name's Julie. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I work in intensive care at uh, Sydney Hospital. So I've been working in intensive care for about two years. So about February 2020, just as COVID hit. I wanted to be a doctor initially. 
But every time I imagined myself as a doctor, I imagined myself at the patient's bedside, holding their hands and talking to them. And that's not what doctors do. I, I really wanted to be a nurse because I wanted to be there for people in vulnerable moments to be their advocate. I also really like gory stuff. I find the body so interesting. Blood and guts and poo and vomit just doesn't bother me. So, <laughs> But in going back to like February 2020, uh, being at the cusp of COVID, there was like one or two cases. I remember seeing on the news, my friends in emergency, like I saw a picture of the front of the emergency department and one of my friends accepting this case. And I knew that I was going to be looking after COVID patients eventually. The worst it got through the first wave in 2020 was about eight patients positive at the same time. The second wave, I think we had the most at like eight or 10 positive patients at the same time. And this time was like, like 30 patients all positive at the same time. But in going back to like February 2020, we were still learning what, what to do, how to do our PPE, whether or not we'd have enough PPE because we could see it happening in America and then wearing garbage bags and reusing N95s. And what do we do if we have to do CPR on someone? What do we do if we have to intubate someone? There were so many therapies that we weren't allowed to use because of the risk. And now we use them because we know more. But the rules weren't the same because we just didn't know enough. Now being able to look on those times, <laughs> I feel like we were so fresh. It's interesting how much 12 months has made a difference in how we look after COVID patients. I've definitely changed as a nurse in terms of how assertive I am in my communications. I, I usually try to maintain some sort of gentleness in how I treat a patient like, if I do this to you, it's, I know it's going to be hard, but you can do it. And now I've sort of turned into, if you want to live, you have to do this now. And then there are other moments that were, yeah, being desensitized. So, like, even just the parameters for uh, their oxygen levels and their blood pressures and the heart rates, they were all way out of normal range, even for a good COVID patient. So you'd have, for a sick person with some respiratory issues, they'd be like 92 and above. For someone with chronic pulmonary issues, they'd be like 88 to 92. These guys would all be sitting in the 80s and we'd be pushing so much oxygen at them and just being like, okay, we're just going to watch. And that you'd be desensitized to watching those sort of numbers on the screen in front of you and not doing anything about it, just watching. And after COVID, especially like recently in this last wave, I watch stats of 88% and not go in the room immediately. So there are some like critical care nurses that don't jump at things. Like if the patient's deteriorating, they won't jump immediately. They'll watch because they know better. They know when it's going to be a disaster and when, when they can just watch for a second. Um, I feel like COVID just accelerated my learning between that nurse that runs in the room and the nurse that watches. So in a way, I think COVID helped with that, but did also desensitize myself to life-threatening conditions. There were human experiences I couldn't have as a COVID nurse. I couldn't interact with the family as much as I wanted to. I couldn't interact with the patient as much as I wanted to. I knew I couldn't give them the comfort of their family when they wanted it. 
And now I have that. Like now I've got that in those selected times and I feel like it's become more satisfying because I can give them a little bit more hope than I used to. Before I used to just say, yep, I know this sucks. Nothing I can do about that. And now I can say, yep, I know it sucks, but your family is coming in later. They'll cheer you up, you know? I think there's, there's like a few parts to it. You can feel like an infectious prior while people call you a hero and then you can also have the same human experience as everyone else when you're missing human contact and family. There's a group on Facebook called Adopt a Healthcare Worker and it's a really beautiful place. It started uh, in the first wave of COVID in March 2020 and they would put out calls for food or care items for healthcare workers ear savers, whatever nurses or doctors or whoever needed. So I put out a call for my patients, for books, colouring in, puzzles, phone charges, anything to sort of keep them entertained and connected because often when people come to hospital, they're not always planned. They don't always have the things they need. They don't think about entertainment. They also don't often have a phone charger on them. That's so common. And when I put the call out, I had so many responses. People were giving me a ton of books, a ton of things. And now I've got a library in our ICU. It's it's called Shelf Care, the fiction prescription. And I love it. It's full. I can't wait for more patients to use it. It's one way people can give and feel useful. And it's also one way that our patients can feel loved. I think the reason I've really loved intensive care is because... When I was a younger nurse and I was just on the wards, whenever we had a code blue, I would always want to run to it. And I would always want to be that person to assist, especially when they're deteriorating. And in ICU and emergency, that's all the time. So I wanted to be that person that was there at the critical moments. I also like the ways that we can sort of take control of a body as well. It's really fascinating that we can put a tube into someone's body and basically take over their lung function. Or you can take out a whole bunch of blood, put it through a dialysis machine and take over their kidneys. Like just how crazy is that, that that we have the capability of doing that. Health Professionals Bank is proud to support Nursing Australia Week and celebrate the enormous contribution nurses make to the health and wellbeing of all Australians. At Health Professionals Bank, we're here to serve those who give so much in the service of others to make sure your financial needs are being looked after while you look after others. To find out more about the ways Health Professionals Bank can help nurses achieve financial wellbeing, go to www.hpbank.com.au or click the link in the show notes of this episode. Well, today we asked you to spill your guts. What's the weirdest item you've removed from inside a patient? Can I just start with saying the filth? The filth and the gall and the liberty. Let me <coughs> read out a shopping list of sorts, uh, dear fair listeners, filthy-minded listeners, might I add. This is not what we were going for. This is a wholesome family show and establishment. However, on today's shopping list, we had myasis, and for those playing at home, that's a maggots, involves maggots, Statues, holy relics, billiard balls, coins, toothbrushes, spears, Rexona cans, matchbox cars, cutlery, lots, 
of cutlery. Blades, firecrackers, Barbie dolls, pink eye potatoes, brown eyes, and <clears throat> as you'd imagine, this was incredibly difficult to find a winner amongst such a competitive field, let's say. So today we have decided there are two winners. One is uh, the lovely Corinne who sent in a story about a tooth being discovered inside a lump uh, and it appears that the tooth made its way in there some years ago and embedded itself after said patient had clocked someone in the face and broken their teeth out while drinking, uh, likely up in my neck of the woods on rum, in rum country. That's really good. And the second winner of today uh, involves a religious relic, uh, a small Buddha statue. And to that listener, I say, anonymous listener, yes, in one passage, out the other. Safe passage indeed. Thank you so much. Both of you receive $250 gift cards and signed copies of Georgie Carroll's new book off the charts. Please, please, please stay tuned for tomorrow's episode because it's going to have an equally interesting Spoo Guts segment. Uh, and I do hope that you will join us then. So before we go, I just want to say it has been one terrific Tuesday. Thank you so much to all of our very special guests, Georgie Carroll, Steve McLaughlin from the COVID-19 Evidence-Based Guidelines Task Force, and the amazing Julie for sharing her story. I want to shout out to the entire APNA team. It takes a village, and then some, and then some more, to bring Nursing Australia Week to you, and Nursing Australia as a podcast. I want to ha give a special mention to our producer, Leith Alexander, and Mitch Wall, frankly, the mastermind behind uh, Nursing Australia and the reason why we're even here today. Thank you so much. To all the listeners out there, uh, thank you to my lovely co-host, Suzanne Blackaby, of course. Love you, Suze. That's it for today. I'll stop my Oscars speech. Thank you so much for tuning in. Join us tomorrow for Wednesday, it's hump day, to find out the latest in COVID vaccine space with NCS director, Christine McCartney. Listen to some more inspiring stories. And of course, there'll be some morning brekkie laughs with the lovely Georgie Carroll. To finish off this Tuesday evening, here is Kelly and Alicia. Together, they form the two humorous nurses. They have a regular podcast, so look them up on all your favorite podcast listening apps. That's humorous, spelt like the actual bone. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now. Have a lovely, lovely evening. Thank you for listening to Nursing Australia. Hello, nurses of Australia. I hope you're enjoying Nursing Australia Week. My name's Kelly. And mine's Alicia, and we are the hosts of Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. And for Nursing Australia Week, we're bringing you a different kind of broadcast. But first, something from the Humorous Newsroom. A Byron Bay millennial claims she only became a nurse to meet attractive interns. Three nurses at Launceston General contract COVID via bin wind. The United Australians Against the Unlawful Mandating of COVID Vaccines of Australia, or the Uatamokova, claim COVID unfairly targeting their members. Male nurse busted with his feet up, yet again. And Pete Evans suggests coffee enemas are the new triple espresso. So we're going to be talking top tips today. What have you got? 
Well, I thought I would give my top tips for surviving night shift. Ooh. I will say, just don't do night shift when you're pregnant. Because no. the whole time I did night shift when I was pregnant, I was falling over all the friggin' time. Anyway, so my top tips. The, my first one is eat all the crap. Because I feel like there's no one there to judge you. Yeah. And it'll keep you awake. <laughs> Sugar rush. I, I literally lived on like, I, this is so shameful to admit, but I would live on like a litre of Coke. Oh, a shift if no, I did night shift, but I wasn't doing that many nights. But and we used just to chocolate. eat um, salty, sweet carol, um, like popcorn, oh, crack corn, we used to call it crack corn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so eat all the crap. Don't be ashamed. No, have that. Have that sugar in your coffee. Just coffee, pretty much. Yeah, I reckon I would have a good four coffees on a night shift, maybe even more. But who cares? And who you still cares? manage to fall asleep when you go home anyway. That's right. Speaking of sleep, that's my next one, sleep. You have to sleep, obviously. Obviously. I feel like um, some people put a lot of pressure on themselves to sleep like in a whole block and I don't know how they do it. I don't know how I, ca- I cannot sleep a whole like eight hours in a block during the freaking day. No. I don't know how people do that. I will say there's a woman at our work who just is inspirational. Yeah. She goes home. <laughs> Has a glass of wine in the bath. In the bath, that's right, every day. <laughs> every every single day. And she does like only nights pretty much. Yeah. Every day she'll go home from night shift, have a bath, a glass of wine and go to bed. I usually sleep till lunch, have lunch, watch mm. a bit of TV and then go back to bed for a few hours. Yeah, well, that's – I sort of – I started doing the in two lots and that works so much better. And then you're actually awake during the day and you yeah. can go and do stuff down the street or whatever you need to do, yeah. even though your eyeball's hanging out of your head. Yeah, exactly. But still I feel like – um, some people do a big block. Some people stay up and like take their kids to school and do all that and then sleep while their kids are at school. Yeah. Which to me is crazy, but, but that's <laughs> I'm not, I can't you're function get. when I get home. I'm like, <laughs> like a zombie. And um, what's your third tip? My third tip is work somewhere with fun people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to enjoy your night shifts. Like it's bad yeah. enough. You're there, You're at work at night when everyone else is sleeping in the world, but. You know, you've got to be there with good people and like that's right. Make it fun, fun for each other and laugh. My God, I've never laughed so hard like you do when you're on night shift when yeah. you're sleep deprived, hopped up yeah, on sugar it. and <laughs> somehow everything is funny. Yeah. And pranks like playing. I pull heaps of pranks Man. on night shift. Yeah, you gotta you gotta keep yeah. each other Jump away. Jump out of corners. <laughs> um I've, the only time someone's ever got me back in a prank was on a night shift. Um we had a patient that had been in this room for weeks and was a constant bell ringer. And then she was discharged. And no one was in that room and the bell rang and I freaked out <sighs> thinking it was like a ghost or something. <laughs> and they were like, just go and check it. And I'm like, I'm not checking it. And they're like, go and check it. So I go down there and go into the room and out jumps one of the nurses with a sheet over him. Oh, I, I, I was sh- going to say, was she laying in the bed? <laughs> yeah. And I like literally lost it because I was like so scared. <laughs> gold. It was sunny. It was good. It makes the nights go because like love pranks. And there's the classic water in the syringe and yeah. just square people. Square people. <laughs> So mature. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. You've got to have fun when it, like, I mean, not all the time your patients are asleep. No, but, but it makes it go faster. That's it. What are your top tips? Uh, my top tips are how to get to your meal break on your shift. Oh, preach. Praise be. Blessed be the fruit. <laughs> I have three, but they're all basically the same, really. Put it in your time planner. Like if mm. you're an eager beaver, have your time planner, put it in. Like just put it in there. 12 o'clock, you go on to your break. Get first break because it's always the easiest one to go to. And if you're on first break, 
your patients are eating their lunch too. Yeah, exactly. And tell my second tip, tell your patients. Tell them, I'm going mm. on my lunch break. I'll be back in 45 minutes. 45? Well, <laughs> give yourself time to like, you know, go to the toilet yeah, yeah, and everything yeah. after your break. And then, um, yeah, and then you'll tell them you'll be back. You'll check on them when you get back. Mm. And, and if they really need anything, they can hey, buzz. Tell your teammate you're going to lunch. But majority of the time break. you tell them that you're, you're gone on your break, they won't buzz. No, exactly. <laughs> and tell them you'll check on them as soon as you get back yeah. and actually check on them. Like yeah, go exactly. and tell them you're back and whatever. If you can go outside, this is my third tip, go outside. Mm. Mm. Get away from the ward if you can. Go breathe some fresh air um, and get away from those ringing bells because mm. if, if you don't work on the ward, just get away from your colleagues. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> just, yeah. Get your own space. Yeah. Mm. I love going outside my lunch break. It's like mm. probably the best yeah, thing to do. You do like every day, don't you? Yeah, unless mm. it's freezing or boiling hot. I only go out there when I know you're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Go outside, take your break. That, and you know what? It's not negotiable. I don't care what not anyone negotiable. says. Not negotiable. Yeah. Thanks so much for those tips, Kelly, because I think I actually need to, you know, write some of those down. <laughs> And I hope some of our listeners can put them into practice and stop holding on to your wee because it's not good for not you. Not good for you. That's it from us at 2HNHQ. Thanks for tuning in to this little teaser. And don't forget you can find our podcast literally anywhere you can find a podcast. And check us out on Instagram at 2 Humorous Nurses Podcast. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Nursing Australia Week. A week just for you. For more information, visit APNA at www.apna.asn.au.